Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 82 of the North Meets South Meets Web podcast. North Meets South Meets Web podcast. I don't I don't think that's right. Is that how it goes? You were going to say something else. Yeah. Get it, Eric? Is it? I don't know. This is episode 82. This is episode 82 of the North Meets South Web podcast. There you go. I don't even remember what I just said. You got it. Hey, you know what? It is episode 82. Yep, it is indeed. It is indeed. And we have a special guest today. We do. We do indeed. He's disappeared. Although I will say it's it's going to be a little bit of a weird episode because this particular guest doesn't actually, he doesn't actually talk because he's so secretive. So we're just, he's just on mute. So he's actually not going to be recorded. He's just going to say whatever he says. And then Michael's going to re-say what he said. And then we'll, we'll talk about it. I think that's how that's this right. works, isn't we'll it? translate it. Ninja Parade. So. Ninja Parade. So. Does he Ninja have a real name? Parade. He does have a real name, but I don't know if we're allowed to say it. So well, we'll we just can... let we'll let Ninja Parade introduce themselves. Okay. Hi, hi, I'm Yaz. <laughs> hi, Yaz. I also go by Ninja Parade. Hey, Yaz, how's it going, man? Excellent. Glad to have you on the show. I think this is is this the second time? I know you you might have made a small appearance at one other point in history. Yeah, I snuck in once. I think when uh, Michael sent a link to me and almost dared me to join, and I did. Yeah, and I bombed it, and I came out. And then since then, he's been sending me broken links because I think he regretted that first time where he sent me the right link. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It was, um, yeah, it was not, not good, but, uh, hopefully we can have a better go around this time. We've actually got something specific to talk about, um, Mm. which is exciting. We're kind of on like a sprint to the Um, finish right now with like, uh, then ping me stuff. Right. So, uh, we've got a couple of different items we're working through Stripe billing being one of those, which has been a joy to work with actually. But the other one that we're kind of working on is teams. So a little bit of context is we had previously, we had users, which then owned projects and we realized, um, actually those projects are going to need to belong to teams and then users belong to teams and projects belong to teams. So users sort of implicitly own projects sort through the teams and um, yeah, yeah, we've got a couple of different different solutions we're talking through with that. Uh, but the one I know that Michael you had kind of suggested originally was having a current team ID on a user. So maybe you can kind of pick it up there and talk about the motivation behind that. And then Yaz, you can kind of jump in and, and talk about you had mentioned on Twitter some issues, some potential issues that might cause, and some that you've actually run into in in your own SaaS app. So, Michael, maybe you could pick it up there and then, yeah, as you can ju- just jump in whenever you feel that, like he's off the rails. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm always <laughs> off the rails. I'm usually on Laravel. So, I, yeah. So, the team stuff that we needed to put in was, was around facilitating then ping me users to be able to have, you know, multiple people in a business being able to look at the same account. So, this, this is not really our, our selling point or anything like that. You know, users don't cost anything in the grand scheme of things in terms of storage and database records and, and then whatever else. So we wanted to make it as easy as possible to get that in there. And um, I think a long, long time ago, I, I looked through, this was probably my previous job. Um, and I looked at the Spark code base and how it does it. And it basically sets the same kind of thing. It will set the current ID. I don't know if it does it in the session, definitely, but I, I know that it sets a current ID on the user in the database. So when they switch between teams, it'll, it'll switch to that. And that way you can scope everything through that team. So if you, in our instance, if you're wanting to look at the projects for the user, well, the projects are the ones that, that are on that team that they're currently in. Um, but you can have a user in multiple teams. So I could have my projects um, in one team. So I'd have them ping me in one team and then I could invite 
Jake and I could invite Yaz into that team and they would be able to see then ping me, but but not any of the the team's projects from like my work. So I could invite my colleagues, my coworkers to to access the the, the projects there, but they wouldn't see then ping me, for example. Um, so that you know, just isolating that kind of stuff. And I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of talk in in the community backwards and forwards and you know, from every now and then it comes up around multi-tenancy and everyone's looking for the the one true way of doing it. And do you want to have a single database with tenant tenanted IDs in, in your records? Or do you want to have multiple databases? And there's all those different approaches. But I think for, for us, the simplest case and, and certainly the, you know, the most simple approach for us is just tenanting the, the records. So the, the, the project belongs to a team. It doesn't really belong to an individual user. Um, billing would belong to a team. So that would mean that my account could join multiple teams, but I wouldn't be responsible for the billing for all of them. So, you know, work would pay for my work account and I would pay for my then ping me account and and Jake could and I could join a team of Jake's where, you know, we're looking at his Wilbur, Wilbur stuff. So, you know, being able to isolate that kind of stuff and then everything else is kind of already scoped. So you can't access a task directly. You have to go through the project. So the task is scoped to the project anyway, and the project is scoped to the the user. So the easiest way um, for us was, yeah, as I said, just checking a, a current team ID on the user. And anytime you switch, so there'd be a drop down, you could jump between teams, and it would just update that record in the database, and then everything else would continue to be scoped based on that team. And and that was really, as I said, the, the simplest approach. There's all of these, I guess, mini conniptions that people have about you know the oh which is the right way of doing it. I'm like, well. The right way is almost always, in my experience, the, the way that works best for you. And and for us, it was this. And and someone had mentioned on Twitter, there was a package that um, Marcel had written, which was uh, Stephen, Stephen tweeted at us that Marcel had the teamwork package. And I went and had a quick sneaky look at that. And the first thing I saw in there was that it just said it's a current team ID on the user record. So um, for, for once in my life, I felt as intelligent as Marcel there. So... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was certainly the simplest approach, and then and Yaz jumped in, and I will let him sort of go into a bit more detail about that. But it was around, you know, if if you've got a user that's got two browser browser terminals, uh, two browser windows open, and you switch teams in one of them, and then weird things can start happening in the other, and if you're sharing logins and things like that. So maybe Yaz, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the issues that you've seen with the the current team ID on the user record? Yeah, so. The first, the first issue that we had was basically having, uh, we had a user that was sharing a login with somebody else. And we did have the approach where we were storing the current team that you're viewing um, on that user record. So the problem that occurred was that the session that one user created where they were using um, the, the browser to use, you know, to view team A, uh, the person that was using their login was somewhere else and they were trying to view team B. And when that person that was viewing team A tried to make any sort of web requests, because it was their their session had started viewing one team, and now the the database is saying they're trying to view a different team. They ended up everything was getting four hundred threes because they were restricted mm-hmm. from being able to see it, and it wasn't a, a very obvious thing for them, and it was a very hard thing to kind of realize after the fact how to solve, and then. The thing that we did to solve that was because, you know, like Laravel models can be serialized uh, down to JSON. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what the approach that we decided to take was to save the database query for, you know, like if you have a team ID or an account ID or whatever it is that you're using, uh, storing that as a session, you're going to have to do a database query to pull it out and work with it from there. And, and most of the time you're just using it to scope your, your, uh, other queries. So what we actually did was we stored the, the actual entity, the actual model to JSON in the session. We were using a Redis driver. And then we had a middleware that would basically pull that data out. And there is a from JSON method on in Eloquent that you can pass the JSON. So you can like create a new model and then you can use the, the from JSON method, pa- method, pass the JSON, you know, decode it back to an array and then pass it to that method. And then that would basically create a new instance of that model. Um, so we were able to hydrate basically back and forth with with that with that with that situation, and the nice thing about the session is that it didn't really matter if people were sharing the login because right. everyone would have their own version of that session. Mm-hmm. So you would never end up with a stale um, browser session for somebody doing that. Yeah, that's really interesting. That actually, was- I I mean, once you said that, because initially what you had said was. What if you have a user with a browser window open to one team and then another one open to another team? And I was thinking, well, it's the same user. Like, it'll not a problem. Like, you know, it's a, it's a shared session. But what you're talking about is two separate users, two separate sessions. That's mm-hmm. not going to give you the same situation. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I can see how that would have been a nightmare to debug. I can't even imagine. I, I'm, I'm curious yeah. how you even figured that out. We just got a screenshot and she said it was getting everything with a 403. And I said, well, can you refresh? And when she refreshed the the team name changed at the top of the browser in the screenshot mm-hmm. and that was the indication because everything that we showed in that screen was based on the team that you were currently looking right, at right so it did take like a visual screenshot for us to figure that out uh, just getting a 403 meant that she was basically like we were trying to figure out if we had like some serial query problem that on the on the guard that was was failing mm-hmm. somewhere but but ended up just being that we did find it alleviated a lot of the problems when we did go to like just having that serialized model in 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 the session just be able to pull that out and kind of go from there it was really good so, made it easy yeah yeah so do you store any sort of you store any sort of like last viewed team or anything like that like on the user so like if they're first logging in you know what model to serialize or if they have multiple teams do they always have to select which team they want to view as soon as they log in so the way that we did it was if there wasn't, um, it was always a session. So we, what we did was we left it as a cookie. Uh, this was a single page app at the time. So it was, um, like a JSON, like a, sorry, JSON, a JavaScript cookie. So it wasn't like going to expire with, with your session. But what we ended up doing afterwards was we would, um, just allow them to pick an account because it was just like a regular web session. Um, and they're just going to go from there. And if they only had one team, we would just automatically just kind of set it to that team. But but yeah, it did solve the problem. So what we did was we actually had the team ID or the account ID, and then you had another uh, session value that was actually the model so that you can kind of interchange the two of them. And that's how we did it. Hmm. And then if they have like five teams, what you can do is show them everything but the team they're on right now so that they're mm-hmm. you're, when you're selecting, you're not going to like show them the team that they were already viewing. So it just made it a lot easier yeah. for a lot of those use cases. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I have to keep that in mind when you're doing team switching, that you don't don't see the current one. We're also not it's it's interesting to see how we go with that. Yeah, I was gonna say we're not doing an SPA either. So I'm not sure if that's gonna make a difference. Um 
maybe mm. slightly because instead of having to ask somebody to refresh, like we're doing a refresh on every page pretty much. Right. So, mm. um, you know, so it maybe might be a little bit more obvious why it's 403. Yeah. It'd be, um, it'd be problematic if there, if there's a shared login, cause we're using live yeah. wire and cause we're polling. Yeah. I mean, we'll poll every five seconds. If, if you were sharing a login, if I was sharing a login with, with you and you were to change the team, then my stuff would probably start breaking pretty, you know, within five seconds or so when the first live wire poll goes out. So it's um it's something to to definitely keep in mind and and being able to isolate it to the I guess the browser session as opposed to the user is is a is one way of was probably the best way of I guess of of tackling that issue. I was gonna say like with ours, Michael, right now the way that I had coded it is I had um a method on the user called get current team. Which would just mm-hmm. look at that record, uh, the user record. It would look at the current team column, and then it would just fetch that that team from the database, right? And then we would kind of go from there. But I know the way that you've looked at doing it was to instead of get current team, to just have a method current current team, which was yeah, I just the relationship. made it, I just made it relationship, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to do something like what Yaz is talking about. It sounds like it would be more similar to kind of the way that I had built it. Whereas, like, if that was the situation that we that we were going with, it'd be pretty simple because get current team would just return a serialized. Well, actually, it would just return the model straight from you know it'd be a hydrated model from the session sort of deal. Mm. But I don't know how heavily you're utilizing that relationship. I haven't even had a chance to look at your your version of the code everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. <laughs> well, that I mean, because you know you you had stumbled over the fact that we had to change so many things by introducing the teams and pushing everything down Correct. another level. Yeah, because so um, like if it was like and and a lot of it meant because yeah because it meant we had to go and inject the current team method the the accessor in there and things like that. Whereas using the the relationship meant that I could just always rely on the current team helping me to scope that. Um, except in one scenario, I probably need to write a blog post about that. It bit me for way too long last night. Yeah, so talk about that. What was that situation where? It, it was, I think I'm aware of what it is, but you go and go ahead and explain it. So the issue that I came across is that with that current team, so we would have the current team relationship, which would just look at the current team ID on the user, well, on, the, on the request user, the authenticated user, and then it would go and find the team. And then we would access the relationships off of that. So it would go, you know, in your UI, you would go dollar user, arrow, current team, arrow, projects. Now, the law of Demeter says, you know, not that I'm one for laws, but the law of Demeter is one that I usually stick to is that um, you can touch your friends and you can touch your privates, but you can't touch your friends' privates. So essentially that from the user, you should not reach through the, the team to get the projects. So what I was doing is instead of going user current team projects, I was adding a relationship to the user model called projects which would encapsulate that belongs to. So instead of me in my controllers going user current team projects, I would just go user projects and then the the relationship method itself would delegate through. The problem with that is that Laravel doesn't let you do that. <laughs> and and I was looking at it and, and looking at it different ways and I was calling, you know, this arrow projects as a method arrow, sorry, this current team as a method projects and, and that didn't work. That caused issues. And and it wasn't until I started putting my professional developer hat on and, and DDing everywhere throughout the code base <laughs> that I realized that when it was running the queries, it was not running the query that I had expected through that relationship. If I called 
that directly in the controller. Like if I was user Arrow, current team Arrow projects, it, it did. But through the, the relationship itself, there's some magic, I would imagine, under the hood that, that meant that it was actually not doing that. It was loading the, the team and then it was just loading the project. And it was because of that, it was joining on the team ID. Uh, sorry, it was joining on the user ID rather than the team ID. So it was loading the wrong projects, which of course is a security concern because instead of loading the current team ID two's projects, it was loading the current user one ID's projects, which meant that it was getting team ID one's projects for user that was not in that team. So it took me a little while to come across that solution and I waited until Jonathan Rennick was awake and I said, Jonathan, am I dumb or is this something that you just can't do? And he said, I have never done that. And I said, that's a good good indication that I shouldn't be doing right, this. Right, right. And then, <laughs> I mean, if you know, if he hasn't done it, then, then nobody should do it, basically, in my opinion. But um, I went back through his Eloquent Performance Patterns course and in in a situation similar to that, he had it like basically a with a scope. So instead of doing that reach through, I had a um, with team project scope, which just loaded the current team projects. Um, so inside that, that scope with team projects method, I just did a, a query with current team dot projects and it did what it was supposed to do. And so I just went and littered that through the code base wherever we needed to get the current team projects and Everything surprisingly, all the tests just started turning green again. So, I was very thankful for that. Was there? I was very thankful for. Was there also an issue with like the fact that there was a column called current team, and you also had a relationship called current team, oh, and it was trying to figure out which one goodness. you were trying to do, right? So, what we ended up having to do was change the current team column to be current team ID, so that there mm-hmm. wasn't conflicting stuff between when Laravel calls current team and when. It's trying, you know, when mm-hmm. it's trying to figure out whether you're talking about the relationship or whether talking about the, the column or which one, right? Yeah, because I didn't want to ever be in a situation where I had to remember to eager load the current team. I just added uh, in the protected with property the the current team relationship, so that I know that the user would always load the current team. But because we just had current team as current underscore team in the user model, and then the relationship method was current team. Doing that, Laravel would then cast the current team to current underscore team and then override the integer. Right. So when you are doing things like this, make sure that you suffix your relationship columns with ID as yeah. you know current underscore team underscore ID, um, or you know don't make the relationship match the column name. Otherwise, you're going to lose access to the column and and all kinds of crazy things will happen. So there's a bit of a a PSA for you on that front. Don't. All of this pain and suffering. Don't do those two things. Don't encapsulate relationship. You know, belongs to relationships through your models like that. What I did find was that you can, you know, you can reference them through the, through the the model itself, but don't encapsulate relationships inside relationships. So you could you could add on where clauses and things like that if you're gonna you know have, for example, I've got a teams relationship. Um, on the user and I've got a owned teams relationship and the owned teams relationship simply returns this teams where owner ID equals this ID, right? And that's fine. You can do that, but, but don't um, have a, a relationship that is just chaining relationships that, that doesn't work. 
that was a bad time that that lasted a couple of hours and it was getting deep into the night and I was and we talked about this on Twitter you know it's it's getting to midnight and it's like it's an easy fix you know just five more minutes and I'll get it sorted and uh yeah it's uh, sleepy brain the sleepy brains need to fix something is often stronger than the sleepy brains need for sleep yeah true story true story I'm trying to think about if there's a way to mitigate the situation that Yaz was describing without having to throw something into the session. And here's here's why I think for me um, in testing and just in general, uh, and I have the same problem in an app that we are dealing with at work. It's not at all similar to saying this current team problem, but it's just that we have this data that gets loaded in from this API that we just throw into the session. And it's more difficult, it feels like to me, to test at the very at the very least it's a pain in the butt to test because you know i have to chuck something into the session instead of just using a factory to set the current team id and then i'm done right so yes have you found anything mm-hmm. like as far as your testing story goes that has made that easier for you to with with the session stuff i never really like having to test session stuff in in my uh, in my tests i do it because i have to yeah. sometimes but uh, have, did you find any tips or tricks when you were dealing with that or find any ways around around that? What we have is basically we just have a bunch of like uh, test helpers. So what I did was I, I basically made like a one method call, like I think it was like set, set account or something like that. And all it would do is it would use the factory to create an account and then it would take the account ID and store it in the session and put the model in the session for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just something that I had um, that we just called in the setup of the base uh, class for the the PHP unit. So it wasn't very difficult to to kind of have it set everywhere. And it, the nice thing about that was when we did end up having to make a change, I forget, I, I honestly forgot what the, the change was from one version of Laravel to another where we had to change something with that, the way that we approached it. It was literally just changed in one place and all the tests worked from there. So like, I never really felt that pain. It it always just kind of made it just easier to not couple the two things with the database in that situation, because it isn't something that I felt like needed to be in the database because of is a user user generated thing. But I I could see both sides of it, right? Like it's definitely a lot easier just to generate a team using a factory and just kind of go from there. But, Mm -hmm. um, using the session in a test is not not difficult at all. I never had had that problem. Yeah, it's also like if I'm in like if I'm testing locally or something like that and maybe I want to gain access to a team that I don't know, I mean this is maybe a different situation too. Maybe there's some security stuff around this as well. But let's say for instance I don't have a UI built or something like that or just some exceptional circumstance where I want to I want to switch my current user to a particular team. With that, like right now, I could just kind of swap it out in the database and then refresh the page and I'm on that team, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like in a situation like yours, I would have to have some sort of method or some secret page maybe to kind of go to and say, you know, assign me to this team, almost like an imitate method or something that would grab that thing out of the database, push it into the session and then and then send me back to the other page. I mean, I can see workarounds for all of it, but the I think for me, when Michael said, because I was, I was going down the path of, oh, I'll just put it in the session. And when he was like, oh, just put it on the database record, I was like, oh, thank God. That feels so much better to me. I just, I, I prefer to have mm-hmm. it in the database if possible. But 
with that being said, like the the problem you brought up is a real problem, right? Pe- people do that, but I feel like people mm. do that more often if there isn't the ability to create multiple users or if they're restricted to not being able to create multiple users. But that is a thing, like in our app, like in our in our like lowest tier, you get one team member. And so I can very mm-hmm. easily see somebody saying, well, I mean, I don't need really, you know, I'll just share my login with somebody else. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's possible. It could happen. It could happen. But the one the one thing that I do kind of like keep in the back of my mind is um, I'm not sure when it was or where it was, but I remember somebody asked Taylor if he had any advice about building something. I think it may have been on his little podcast when he was talking about making the $17.2 billion that he's made. Um, <laughs> but he um, he basically said always like, even if you don't need it, make an account, like make an, or like make an entity above your user because it's going to be mm-hmm. easier for you. That's very kind of, true. It, it, yeah. Like you, like in, in contest kit, for example, not only do I have accounts, I actually have organizations that are even above that. And it's, it's made my life easy because I can do whatever I want with that. Um, it just makes it easier to grow without having to make a, a like a magnitude of changes. Yeah. But in terms of this particular thing, you're going to have people using more than one, like more than one person using the same login. Like it will happen. It's not something you can control. Putting something in the session, if you really need to ref- like refresh or reset that, logging out clears that because it is related mm-hmm. to that. And the session is also like a very secure thing, just like your database. Like sure. no one's going to be able to kind of write to that. So I never really felt any of that pain. I, I just, I feel like sometimes like in the development world, I may have like a higher pain tolerance for some stuff, but yeah, maybe, maybe I, maybe I haven't felt pain. Somebody else would feel like really fast, but I, I honestly, I have not, I've not had any problems with it. Um, I've used it on my app personally. Like I know we use it at, at Spur, we use it on um, our, um, our, our customer facing side and we haven't really had any problems it does. It is a pain in the butt, though. I will admit, like whenever, like the security patch that happened that basically invalidated all the cookies, yeah, mm-hmm. um, like stuff like that. That then you end up feeling that pain for your customers. But you know that the the biggest pain has been having to have them log back in, yeah, you know, and, and kind of like not be like still logged in, yeah, yeah, sure. as opposed to like getting four or threes and random errors when they're trying to do stuff because mm. the team's changed. And it's a it's a balancing act as well. I think if someone's you know, you say you can't stop people from sharing logins, and and I totally agree. I, and I've got no issues with people doing that. But at the same time, how much support you don't want your app to be broken, but how much support do you give people that are sort of flaunting the the system that you put in place around that kind of stuff? Obviously, yeah. you don't want it to, to to just flat out start throwing, um, you know, default error pages. But you want to handle it in some way when it does happen. And it, and if that means you know, forcing a refresh into the browser. You know, you can put a push a a value every time we load the page that like this is the current ID, and if if the logged in user's current ID mismatches with the the live like the fresh current ID, just force the page to refresh. Um, and that yeah, kind of stuff. Like, isn't that kind of how Jonathan handles uh, inertia? Where yeah. in inertia, the, yeah, the, yeah, the assets recompile. I think it's like a feed throws a four twenty nine or something, and then it just forces mm. a refresh. You can definitely yeah. do that. That's definitely a graceful way of doing it. Mm. But then then you have to add that complexity into your app. So it's, I yeah. guess no matter what you do, you're always going to be introducing one like com- one side of complexity on one side or the other. And for me, mm-hmm. it just 
having it as a session driven thing that the user sets always just made the most sense. But I do know that there's also a lot of value in just keeping it as simple as possible. But at some point, hopefully that you, your, you know, your app does grow and you, you will have to change something to kind of handle a bigger use case. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of bulletproof for that size too. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like you could do like, if you really cared to, we're not really using pusher for anything right now. Well, are we? Yeah, we might be for one thing. No? We're using WebSockets no, for anything? Everything's polled. Every, oh, that's right. Everything's that live wire right. polled. Yep, yep, yep. I was going to say, if you did, what you could do is you could like dispatch an event that broadcasts when you switch teams, right? And then, like you said, kind of just listen for that pusher event on the front end. And if it yeah. changed, you could either, you know, alert them on the page, just drop a little uh, toaster notification in there. Like, it, it appears as though, you know, someone using your team or your, your account has switched teams. Mm you know, sign out now or like refresh your page or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I am curious about, and uh, I, I think this is something that Lara, that Taylor teased about, isn't he bringing in something with like user sessions, multiple user sessions or something like that? Hmm. Do you remember that screenshot? Yeah, I know that he's been talking about it. Not recently. I think he's he's worked it out. I don't know. It may even be in, no, it must be coming in Laravel 8, the ability mm-hmm. to have, um, you know, multiple session logouts and things like that. So users mm-hmm. can log in in multiple devices but oh, that would, okay yeah sure that makes that sense would, yeah that would allow jake and i to log in with the same credentials on two different devices but we would still be tied like we'd be bound by the source of truth that is the database in our scenario currently so yeah putting it in a session would certainly allow those scenarios to to happen for sure hmm. interesting so do you mean that multiple yeah. people like i i think i'm just going to say it out loud so you can confirm if this was what you're saying or not do you mean that the session then is stored in like, you know, in Redis or in the database or whatever? And then any person who's accessing that user's account, they're all using that centralized session. And the cookie is just basically pulling that in from the database. For So if you're on your phone or if you're on your computer or if you're on your whatever, you don't really have separate sessions. They're actually the same session. And so when you log out on one, you log out on all. Is that what you're saying? Or like, if you update the current team in one, you update the current team in all. Like, if you're on your if you're on your phone I, and you switch teams, the next time you're on your computer, it's also going to switch teams, even if you're logged into two different devices. Is that what you mean or no? I think it's more about tracking where the sessions are. So currently, when you're logged in, you just logged in, and it's assumed that like you are logged in. Whereas the stuff that I saw Taylor um, tweeting about and, and teasing was that you could see a session that was on your phone as discrete from a session that was on your MacBook that is on your iPad. And that would appear as three different sessions. And you could, I think the problem that the the challenge he was trying to overcome was how to log out a specific one of those without logging out all of them. So you could say like, log everything out except for my session on my MacBook, but log my iPad and my iPhone out and things like that. So that, you know, it would track discrete device sessions as opposed to a, you know, user session. I don't think you, you, there's no way of tracking them is what I'm saying. Got it. If I log in on my iPad and my and on my MacBook, logging out of one doesn't log me out of Correct. both. I'm pretty sure, um, mm-hmm. but you can't distinguish them from the application side. Like, there's no way of knowing on my iPad. Like, I can't see on my iPad that there is a session logged in right. on on my MacBook. Yeah, and I think that's that's the kind, kind of like stuff how that, like in, that Taylor in was Google, building. it's like it'll tell you like log out all accounts, right? Correct. And you just go in and it says like yeah. log everything yeah. out. Yeah, Netflix has probably one of the most sophisticated ones that I've seen where you can just kick off one particular device off the off that session. Um, it would be 
it would be database driven, I would imagine. And that would mm -hmm. be a good, a good candidate. I would, I was thinking if it does work out, it does come out planned the way that he, the, the way that I think it would, that you'd be able to add your database record for the current team to that session database mm -hmm. record. And then you can have it where you need it, where you would like it at least. Yeah. Yeah. And if that does happen, then we can do that in Laravel 8 when it comes out in two weeks. Exactly. <laughs> we upgrade mm. the whole app and rewrite hopefully delete large chunks of stuff. This is usually what happens when new versions of Laravel come out. So did we just add three months to the official the release of then? I think that's correct. Yeah, I think we're going to push it. We might have to push it out to October. Yeah, next October probably okay. is what we're looking at. Which is at. what we originally yep. said. <laughs> we originally said October. Yeah. We never said which year. But get early access. <laughs> Wait, is, it's it's not October right now in Australia? <laughs> no, no, it's November, oh, okay. mate. Okay. Yeah, it'll okay. be 2021, October. All right. Yeah, you're ahead. It's kind of like lost. They're just kind of this little hidden island in the middle of the <laughs> sea that nobody really can get to. But there's it's like a time in the future. Especially now. Yeah, yeah that is true. Um, <laughs> do you guys want to talk at all about Stripe billing? It's been pretty cool looking at some of that stuff. Stripe checkout, yeah. Well, it's tell, billing tell and checkout, because, right? So you know, there's, there's there's two different things, right? So yeah, you got confused by one. You thought you were going to have to build a whole billing platform when you realized <laughs> exactly. you were looking at the wrong well, thing. Well, so I was looking at, I started at the top. I started at the top and I was like, overview, customers, products, and prices, which I've gone through all of that before because I was using this for something else because I was just mm -hmm. using checkout for another situation I was dealing with. And then it was like, uh, and then like a little bit further down on the docs, it says, start with a use case, fixed price subscriptions with elements. I'm like, that's what I'm looking for, fixed price subscriptions. Let's do that. Click. Look in that. And I'm like going down the list. I'm like, what the heck? Like, this doesn't say anything about this portal that I've seen. I'm like, what am I missing? I'm like, geez, I must have misread <laughs> this. I was like, this is so disappointing. We're going to have to build this whole thing anyway. And then I realized it says fixed price subscriptions with elements. Well, we're not using elements. We're using checkout, right? And so that's kind of the difference. So they have this customer portal that you can configure. And it still uses customers and products and prices, but it manages the whole process of subscribing somebody to a plan as well as allowing them to cancel a plan or see any of their payments or uh, upgrade uh, to a new subscription or downgrade to a different subscription and prorating them and all of that stuff and handling all of that for you. And so uh, the way that it works is pretty slick. And they have some pretty great API tools to allow you to do it straight from your machine without ever having to get into the Stripe dashboard. But I've found that really just going into the Stripe dashboard is a pretty dang easy way to do it. Uh, so if you go in, you'll have along the left-hand side, you'll have products and you'll want it to find a different product for each one of your tiers. So we'll have like our solo plan, our pro plan, and then our business plan or whatever. So you'll define three of those. And then with each one of those, you'll also define a price that goes along with them. And uh, the pricing is pretty easy to set up. You just say the amount of dollars and then if what currency it's in, if it's in Australian dollars or US dollars or whatever, right? What do you guys call them? Loons? No, that's Canadian, right? What did you guys say? Snow yeah. pesos. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> the Canadian wow. snow pesos, American freedom dollars. Yep. And we've got the Australian dollar reduce. Yeah, dollar reduce. Yeah. So you define the currency and then you define how much it is and then it'll have uh, a schedule, right? So you can say monthly. So once you have your products and your and your um, pricing set up, then all you have to do is create a customer portal. So in your customer portal, you can have all the branding that you want. So you can up, uh, select brand colors, you can select an icon, you can select a logo, and then you choose uh, from any of the products that you've defined, which ones you want to be available in this particular customer portal. So then all you have to do is for each entity in your app that you will want to attach the billing to, which in our app is Teams, you have to create a customer for them in Stripe. 
So that's the only thing that you really need to use like the Stripe PHP library for uh, is to create a customer for that particular entity. So for us, we just, as soon as they log in and register, they create that team. And at that time, we'll actually create the customer for them in Stripe as well and save that Stripe customer ID onto that team record. And then literally all you have to do to get them over to that that page where they can be select which subscription they want and get checked out and everything is you have to have their customer ID and then you redirect them over to the page. That's it. And then they can handle all of it over there. So all of that stuff is managed yeah. for you. You don't have to touch any of it. And then the rest of it just comes through with webhooks. So you have uh, customer.invoice.updated or not invoice, customer.subscription.updated or canceled or paid or whatever it might be uh failure mm-hmm. to pay so like if their if their time comes due for that payment and it fails to get paid right they'll webhook back to you and you just reference your stripe customer id and then you can do whatever you need to do so really yeah. really slick and you had said the other day in one of our chats you're like i'm so glad we waited this long to do billing because it's all done for us now <laughs> like yeah, we i'm so glad we just kept punting it down the road until stripe just built it all yeah for pretty us. much pretty much i mean because literally it was like what like a month ago Maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. than that, but like yeah, it was very recent. Very recent. Yeah, a couple of months. Yeah, very recent. And so it was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So, and all the branding stuff is done now. All of our products are built in. It's all in testing mode right now. So the last thing I have to do is the webhook portion of it, which Spassi has a package for. So we're using the Spassi webhook client package. They, they do. They do. They actually do. They Why not? It's hard to believe. It's hard to yep. believe that Sparsi has a package for this specific use and case. And it's so funny because I mm. fell into the trap that Michael always makes fun of me for, which is like, okay, well, we already have webhook clients, like Sparsi's webhook client package. I'm just going to like write my own validator for the Stripe you know, payload that's coming through to make sure that it's actually legit from Stripe. And I'm like going through it. And then I, I was like, oh, I'm just going to Google this real quick. And sure enough, Spassy Stripe webhooks. And it uses the webhook client package under the hood and Stripe.php. It handles mm-hmm. all of that crap. I'm like, well, there we go. Yeah. There we go. No, no worries. Package inception. I know. It seriously is. That's, That's exactly right. what it was. So, so the, somebody used that instead. So pretty cool. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm excited to kind of get that wrapped up here. I, it seems like I'm so close, but I know I'm going to get in there and be like, oh wait, there's a lot of stuff I didn't consider yet. So yeah. anyway, we're gonna make that happen. How are you? How are you handling? Uh, I don't know if you've talked about this in the past, but how are you handling like the the your side of it once the you know, the Stripe portals taking care of stuff. Are you guys using like cashier or anything like that? Or are you just making sure that someone's got a trial and or subscription and like kind of going from there? So yeah, we're probably just going to do as little as possible by ourselves. Really. Yeah, I don't really know that we actually need to use cashier because I believe cashier kind of manages a lot of the complexity that Stripe is handling now. Mm-hmm. So like generating the in generating. So you're, like when the webhook comes in, or you guys are like storing invoices and like the subscription has been created, updated, all that. Yeah, stuff we don't or, have to. St- we don't have to how, store how the you... invoice because that's all stored on Stripe side. So if they ever mm-hmm. need to, so basically, as soon as they click billing, I redirect them to Stripe. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like th- okay. that's all that we have to do, and then they can see all their invoices there. They can see what plan they're a part mm-hmm. of. They can upgrade or downgrade or cancel. They can do everything straight from Stripe. And I don't have to do any of that. So all I have to care about is once they make a change or once they pay for a subscription, I just have to basically mm. subscribe them to that plan on my side and then you know check policies to make sure that they can do what they need to do, right? Okay. That's that's pretty much it. So it's it. a very minimal thing. It's just like a subscription table and exactly right. Yeah. yeah. You so know, you like, have like a plan. Whether it's valid or yeah, okay. a plan table and a subscription table. So then it's a join between the team and the plan. 
Yeah. It's it's definitely nice to get us up and running very quickly in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, onboarding new subscribers and, and the handling plan changes and pro rider and, and things like that. In the future, we, we probably look at more tightly integrating it, you know, allowing people to grab their own invoices from our side and things like I that. I don't really know what the Maybe, difference but, is, to be real honest. Like, I don't, like, to me, like, if you click billing, I would expect to see exactly what I'm going to see when I go over to Stripe. Like, I, mm. I don't really know what the advantage is of building it yourself. I would say, like, unless we run into a problem where it's necessary to build that stuff again, like, mm. locally, I, I don't really see any value in it. Like, it's all boilerplate anyway. Like, if it's already branded yeah, to our just, stuff yeah, on that. Stripe's side, I don't, I wouldn't care to mm. build it again. And I'm fairly confident that the... It's got our logo on it, but it looks like a Stripe thing. Whereas, you know, if, if it's on our side, it looks like our side, it's got, you know, our our styles and branding That's, it's not a huge thing fair. and i think I mean, most developers would be okay with it but you know if you've got if 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 it gets bigger and you've got like a billing entity you know you're at a big business and someone's responsible for paying it and they log in and they click billing and and then it takes them to another page they may be less they'll be like well you know where have i been redirected what's going on here kind of thing so the other yeah, yeah the other nice it's, piece of it's it, just one thing i was gonna say the other nice piece of it too is like stripe billing also provides a complete back office solution as well so it's you know mm. for our side of it like if we wanted to have somebody who just managed refunds and billing and all that stuff we don't have to build any ui for that you can just invite a person yeah. who just handles billing subscriptions all that stuff for our stripe account mm-hmm. and they can just handle all of that for you so it's it's very you know it's full featured obviously they they didn't leave anything out so you can see all of that on their stripe.com slash billing page where they talk about all of that stuff. But it's it's yeah. pretty man it's pretty amazing. So anyway, like you said, like I think it's a great one thing one thing I did to show like the invoice in my UI was what the invoice created or invoice paid webhook actually gives you a URL to the PDF that you can get oh, nice. anyways. Sure. Yeah, so it's, just a good thing to, it's a good thing to store. Yeah, no, that's a great yeah, point. Which I'm pretty sure Spark does as well. Same kind of thing. Yeah, they generate one too, though, don't they? I think they do. Do maybe yeah, do actually, both. possibly. Yeah, they'll generate it and then yeah, but it's based on the the webhook coming in or the the subscription, you know, charging. So yeah, it's it's something. That, it, it's definitely something we won't need to worry about, especially because we've left it so late down the road to to implement it. That the fact that it exists within Stripe entirely, and and we can just concentrate on our app, you know, which is obviously what they were aiming for with 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 this product is you know we can spend a bit more time working on on teams and and not worry so much about the billing yep i'm pretty excited about it so yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm working on right now i started some of the team stuff and michael took the torch with that and is is working on that i was going to send over to you michael the so uh Dries had created the repo with all these blade the the blade ui yeah, kit. like well it wasn't the blade ui kit it was I think it was something else. And I think it was like with the tall stack. That's what it was. It was the tall stack. It was like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, the tall, awesome tall Awesome thing. tall stuff, stack stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like it was the first link in and it was like, here's a uh, Alpine component. And Al- uh, I think it, Al- yeah, I don't know if it's Alpine and Livewire. I think it is. Alpine and Livewire component that does team invites. And it's just like, you know, mm-hmm. email, add email, like add invite and you just and then it sends it to your back end for you. So nice. it's pretty sweet. I, I think that's a good one to have for what we're needing to yeah, do. Yeah, sounds good to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I, we're at 45 minutes. Yaz, how much time do you have? Uh, I'm easy. Okay. I got one more thing we could talk about real quick if we want. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because Yaz, I'm sure you already have experience with this. So with each plan that somebody's on, you obviously have like some ceilings on certain 
uh, features, right? So you'll have, you can have this many team members, you can have this many projects, you can have this many, whatever it might be, right? So the question is, where do you store how many they have remaining of a certain thing, right? So let's just keep it real simple. Let's talk about team invites. So with the plan, you get, you know, let's say three team members. Where do you keep track of how many team members they've used? Or do you literally just always reference the relationship in order to determine how many they have left and if they can add another one or if they have run out or whatever? Does that make sense, the question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what's what's been your experience uh, with that? How do you guys kind of do that on your side? For me, I, I, I do use a relationship for the number of a certain um, item that they're allowed to have where I set the limits. I usually have like a, like a Stripe plan config that has um, a, like an array accessor that's same as the, uh, the Stripe slug for the project or the, the project, the plan. And on there, I outline what like the max limit of certain things are. So like, you know, if you're allowed, you know, five team members and 10 projects, that's where I put the limits on there. And then from there, I just kind of use the relationships of the, you know, the number of teammates that they have and the number of projects they have and kind of whether or not they're above or equal to the maxes in the config. And that mm-hmm. just seemed to be like the easiest way to do it because you can just cache that config and make it quick. Yep. Yeah. I was, what I'm curious about is, so like if I'm on the team member page, right? So this is, and it's not like a, it's not necessarily right or wrong. It's more like a convenience thing for me. The way that I would typically do it because I'm terrified of ever like these magic numbers floating around in my database or whatever. I'm always afraid that I'm going to forget to update one and it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be wrong or it's going to be out of date or something. But it's really convenient to have just an integer straight on a database table instead of having to go look up a number of relationships. So for example, a team member, right? So if I have a team, and then I have how many team members are currently invited or uh, have accepted or whatever. Uh, I could, you know, I could go do the query to go look those up, or I could just when when somebody accepts or when there's a currently active team member that comes in and and accepts whatever. I can just look at the number of users available, like on that team or something, and decrease it by one. Right, like I set it when I, when they subscribe to mm. be like three, and then if somebody accepts, you could just set it to two. Right, and Again, <laughs> the reason why that's dangerous is because if something changes, for example, they update their subscription, now you've got some sort of weird calculations to handle uh, around the updating of that that table column. It is certainly more convenient, but it's a little bit less, it doesn't feel as certain, right? There's a lot of uncertainty around, is this number actually right? Or is this just kind of like what my best guess was based on the information I had? My gut tells me that you're going to want this to be a dynamically checked thing, but... No, I I agree with you. I totally agree with you. My very pragmatic side of my brain is like, oh, but it would be so nice if I could put it in the database column and make that work somehow to be always updated so I didn't ever have to reference the relationship. But It's easy enough to hit the relationship and just get... Because if you ever change change the other limits of anything... Sorry, yeah, it's, it's easy enough to just do like user team members count and it's like a really quick query just to get that it's not like there's going to be um it's not an inefficient query you're just doing a count um on an index column so you can see how many active users are in there and you can compare it against the the configuration for that 
for that team plan as well. So yeah, it's gonna be like user, yeah, current I, team, team member count, something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you need to, you know, you need to cache it. If as you say, if they change plans, you need to dynamically change that. If they're changing down in plans and they've got, you know, five users, but the new plan only allows them to have three, like how do you deal with that? Do you stop them from changing? I mean, we don't we can't stop them from changing plan because they're changing plan Stripe, on right. on Stripe. So you've got no way of, of doing that dynamically. So what happens in those like that is what a happens good in those scenarios? I don't know. Either way. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, that what you might honestly do. I was actually thinking about this today. Yes, I'd be interested to hear how you guys do that. What I was thinking about today is if they did that to give like a grace period of sorts to say, looks like you recently updated your plan. Uh, your current usage of the product exceeds the limitations imposed by your new subscription. You know, you'll have by this date to you know, update your plan to be within limits or you know, you'll basically lose mm-hmm. access to those particular pieces, right? So give them like a grace period. Say like the the most two recent. So like if you if you went from a plan that had five teammates and the current plan you're on only has three, it'd be like the most recent two to accept would lose access, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you have to be careful about making that kind of assumption because the most recent two, it could be like someone comes in to your business and is there to replace you. So removing them as you leave is probably not a good idea if there's some overlap there. I, I wonder if there's some way, like if there's some webhook that Stripe sends us to say like, can the user change to this plan? And then we would do the check then and we could reject it. I don't really think webhooks work that way, um, but it'd be good to know if, the, if there's some way of dynamically making the plans available within Stripe checkout. You can, um, I mean, you can make it so that they can't change subscriptions i mean you can you can basically just disallow it from the portal but that seems pretty limiting yeah so you could you could you could disallow like downgrades maybe only if they want to go from a, a higher tier to a lower tier they'd have to send a support request or whatever and we could we could do it for them yeah and things like that so it's it's something that we need to think about um definitely something we need to investigate and have an answer for um at least in the back of our minds you know Hopefully no one's going to be upgrading and then downgrading plans right. in the short term. Right. Because we have to do the same thing. Like if you if you're on a on a single player plan that only gives you one project and then you move to a three, you know, three project plan and then move down again. It's not just the the team members, but it's also projects, the projects. Exactly. Like you, you you can't you can't move from three projects to one project without something happening. Yeah. I think um, right. I think what what um what you're saying or what you said earlier was probably correct. And this yes might be how the, how you're handling it. You might look at their stuff and say, you can't downgrade because you are mm-hmm. using the app in a way that makes it so you can't. So you either you need to get rid of these things yeah. before you downgrade and then you can downgrade, right? So mm-hmm. we, we can't allow you to down. You can cancel. You can cancel altogether. And that's fine. But you can't downgrade unless you get rid of some of your stuff because you got you, you have to before we'll allow you to do that, right? Yeah, I, I'm just reading the docs here. I don't see anything about how you would be able to handle this, but that does introduce quite a, a tricky scenario where someone's over their limit and they go into this portal, they downgrade. You got a webhook that they've downgraded mm. and then they're like sitting at a, like they're everything is over the max of what the new plan that they're on is and how you handle right. that. That is That is a tough little edge case. Yeah. And it's going to happen. That's the thing. It's not even really maybe, an edge case. Maybe I mean, it's just, definitely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, maybe mm. we could hit hit the Stripe people and be like, hey, 
how do we how do you suppose we handle this scenario because we wouldn't be the only i've got a contact over there actually we're looking at switching our entire payment provider over to stripe and so there's a dude george he's a solution specialist he's pretty freaking smart dude shout out george i have a special solution just for you yep who knows who knows well, everybody, I think that's what we got for today. Anything else we want to talk about before we go? I think that was a, a solid episode. I think we got some good suggestions on how we can save ourselves from future pain, yeah. um, or at least keep things in you know things to keep in mind if that pain comes our way, depending on how constrained we are for time. For sure, for sure. Yes, thanks for taking some time out for us, man. Appreciate it. It was uh, good to have some of your expertise with uh, this stuff. This is obviously our first SaaS app, so we we don't. You know, we're 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 uh, fresh in this game. I think you've been doing this for a while. Say it. We have no idea what That's we're correct. doing. That's correct. <laughs> I do. I do want to uh, just say that I originally thought I was just going to be um, showing Michael something on Tuple. Then I sat down and then I saw that it was the North Me Southwest <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Originally, so. that's what it was going to be, but you were late, and then everything yeah. sort of cascaded into. So I think, yeah, I think this was a good conversation. I think some people will get some good advice mm-hmm. out of it. I'm glad we finally, I was finally able to get you a link that didn't work. It's weird that that, that you've just been getting bad links for all this time. Yeah, it's been bad. It's been really weird. That one that that uh, never going to give you up video that you sent me. I don't know what <laughs> that happened, but that's awesome. It's a good song. It I is. Like it. it is. Yeah. Hey, yes. Before we let you go, um, is there any, anything uh, yeah. you'd like to promo? Any any sites you'd like to send people? How can people follow you? All that good stuff. Uh, I'm just Ninja Parade everywhere. NinjaParade.ca because I'm Canadian and someone's squatting the .com. Yeah, but Ninja Parade on Twitter. Uh, I, I do troll a lot, so don't take anything I say seriously, <laughs> please. One of our favorite um, community members. Yeah. Yeah. My claim to fame is that Jeffrey Way in uh, the first, second New York Theracon. Yeah. I was standing at the desk there. Remember, it was like you I walked do remember stairs yeah. into that mm-hmm. theater, and there was a there was a desk. Yep. Uh, I was standing there putting my doing something with my camera, and Jeffrey Way walked down. Um, you know, two minutes before his talk, and he said, "Yes, funniest guy on Twitter," and then went into this auditorium. And I basically <laughs> have been holding on to that for you years. went and wept in a corner. You're like, "All oh, my amazing. hard work has finally yeah. been recognized." <laughs> He yeah. knows my I name. Could tell you, he knows my name. I can tell you one other funny Jeffrey Let's Way hear it. story I want to that hear it. we can edit out. So, well, we're live. We're live. So just be be mindful of that. <laughs> we are on YouTube. Okay. Well, it's not. It's not bad. I'm just saying, like, it, okay. it doesn't need okay. to be included. Um, so the first Lyricon that I attended was the first Louisville yep. one in Kentucky, and I uh, you you remember the auditorium yeah. there? Like there was a as soon as you come out there was a bar. Um, so on the first night there was like the, 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 the drinks were happening and my, the, the, my buddy that I went there with, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't a drinker. So he would, we'd both get in line and then we'd get to the front of the line to get a drink and he'd get me a second beer, which, um, after about 40 minutes was a bad <laughs> idea. Uh, so anyways, I, I go to the bathroom, which was, as you remember to like the left of the auditorium there and I go in and as I go in there, I see Jeffrey way at the bathroom at the urinal. And me being really shy normally, um, with a couple of drinks in me, I just tend to be a little bit louder than I should be and a lot more confident. Um, I went up to Jeffrey Way and I, Jeffrey! And uh, <laughs> you know how, 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 how much Jeffrey likes strangers. 
especially in a situation <laughs> where he's urinating. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, he just basically like just turned around, and just left as fast as he could. That's hilarious. Yeah, really funny. You snuck up on him like the ninja you are. Yep. He didn't even see you. No, I was actually, I was actually, I was actually urinating, and he was coming into your. Oh gosh. Gotcha. Basically, like, and <laughs> hey, then he like stopped in his Jeffrey. tracks and was like, and you can see in his face, nope. And nope. he probably I don't to need the to go that bad. Bathroom. You're yeah. like, dude, dude, come <laughs> I can next hold it to for me. Next to me. We're cool. <laughs> yeah, over here, buddy. Over here. <laughs> I got a spot safe for you. Yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. That's uh, hilarious. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, that's why we love you. That's why we love you. <laughs> we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. Hey everybody. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, man. This was episode 82. If you like to show find show notes of this episode, you can find them at northmeetsouth.audio slash eighty-two. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at North South Audio at Jacob Bennett and Michael Dorinda if you have anything to say or have questions or would like to harass us and of course if you like the show rate it up in your podcatcher of choice five stars would be very appreciated and a retweet while you're at it would be great alright folks we will see you at Laracon in a couple days and then Ping Me will be releasing before that Michael's going to have a talk Michael hit us the, with the date and time of your talk I will be speaking uh, on the 25th of August so the day before Laracon US I have recorded and shipped my talk because i ain't getting up at 4am and risking waking my child and aggravating my 34 week pregnant wife so yeah there will be an announcement for the release of then ping me in that presentation so definitely check it out uh, i would love to hear your feedback on that talk on on schedule tasks so uh, it's something that i've been very deep in for quite some time now so i have some knowledge to share also thank you to our show sponsors uh use fathom dot com forward slash north check out fathom analytics for a 14 day free trial and 20 dollars credit for your first month and a half and um, they do privacy focused analytics giving you all the stuff you need and none of the stuff you don't and also thanks to joe lennon and the team at work vivo who have renewed their sponsorship so we'll talk more about them next episode you can check them out at workvivo.com awesome we'll speak to you all in two Sounds weeks good. see ya